Prayer is a good thing. It's a great thing, a powerful thing. La oración es algo extraordinariamente bueno y algo poderoso. Y hemos estado hablando del altar del incenso, era el lugar de la oración. Y vamos a leer Éxodo 30, verso 1 y 6, y Salmo 141, verso 2. So we're going to read two passages, Exodus 30, verse 1 and 6, off of your handout, and then Psalm 141 and verse 2. Are we ready to do that? All right, we're going to read out loud together, and uh, boldly as you can. Are you ready? Read it with me. Moreover, you shall make an altar as a place for burning incense. You shall make it of acacia wood, and you shall put this altar in front of the veil that is near the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat where I will meet with you. May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting of my hands as the evening offering. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you for the power of prayer. We pray tonight that you would anoint my lips of clay once again to teach the word of the living God. And I pray that you would so encourage our hearts, so charge our hearts with faith that we would become more bold and more confident in our life of prayer that we might not, Lord God, settle for just anything, but that we would settle only for that which comes from your hand in answer to our prayers. We pray in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Last week we talked about the practice of prayer. La semana pasada hablábamos sobre la práctica de la oración, and I, I gave you a little bit of, uh, of the attitude of prayer. Les, di, les hablé sobre la actitud de la oración. Can somebody help me out here? What was the first attitude of prayer? Sincerity, very good. The second attitude of prayer is faith. Is faith the third attitude of prayer? Affection, passion. The fourth attitude of prayer? Anybody? I lost you. Heartful prayer. Okay, that was the uh, second one. And what's the fifth one? There's one last one, fervent prayer, right? We talked about the prayer of Elijah. We called it active prayer. All right. What is active prayer? ¿Qué es la oración activa? Remember we said that the, the fervent prayer of the righteous avails much, Right? Hablamos la semana pasada que la oración ferviente del justo puede mucho. And I shared with you how the, the Greek word there is the word energo, from which we get the word energy. Okay, so we talked about an energetic prayer. That doesn't mean that you have to raise your voice when you pray or that you have to yell at God or, or that you have to jump up and down like a cheerleader in order to get an answer to prayer, right? What it means is that that we pray active prayers, meaning that we pray and then we act upon what we have prayed. If you, uh, if you see Elijah praying for rain, then you see Elijah buying an umbrella, right? He is acting on the faith that he has in prayer. If he's asking for rain, he's believing that it's going to rain. He's going and he's preparing. And so we said that if you want a job, pray for a job, then you have to go look for a job, right? It's not going to knock on your door. If you want a uh, uh, if you want a raise, you pray for a raise, and then you go and do a better job at work, right? And you make yourself available and a good qualified candidate for that. If, if you want anything from God, we pray, we ask, and then we have to act on what we have prayed. Act on what we have believed. And so we... We talked about last week the practice of prayer. This week we're going to talk about some principles of prayer. How many of you would like to get your prayers answered? All right. How many of you have ever had your prayers answered? Yes, yeah, certainly. So there are certain principles 
in the Word of God that, that relate to us how we can get an answer to prayer. Hay varios principios en la palabra del Señor que nos enseñan cómo recibir una respuesta a nuestra oración. And just at the outset, I need to say that sometimes God says yes. Don't you love it when God says yes? No, I love it when God says yes. Sometimes I regret it when God says yes, to be honest, because I thought I wanted it, right? And he said yes, and I realized I didn't so much want that anymore. Sometimes God says no. I don't like when God says no. But sometimes it's good. It's always good. When God says no, it's going to be good, okay? He's got something else in store, something better. He's got another way. And so when he says no, it's okay. Sometimes we're disappointed when God says no. But the reality is that he does say no sometimes. And we have to accept that if he's saying no, it's because he has a, a purpose. And we want his will in our life. Sometimes God says wait, doesn't he? A lot of times God says wait. I don't like that one at all. Anybody here love waiting? No. Uh, a veces Dios dice sí a nuestra oración y nos encanta oír que Él diga que sí. A veces Dios dice no y a veces no queremos oír que Él diga que no, pero si Él dice que no es por una buena razón. Él tiene algo mejor o tiene otra dirección que Él nos va a llevar. A veces Él dice espera y esa es la difícil. Pero dijo el salmista, pacientemente esperé en Jehová y él oyó mi clamor. Y puso mis pies sobre peña y enderezó mis pasos y puso uh, un canto de alabanza en mi boca. The psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he heard my cry. And he said, and he set my feet upon the rock. And he, he strengthened my steps. He, he directed my steps and he gave me a song of joy in my heart. That is the uh, blessing of waiting on God. So sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says wait. And in every case, we have to be willing to accept his will. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? Because if we really get our heart set on something and God says wait or God says no, then uh, sometimes we're disappointed because we didn't understand that His way was better. That His way was going to lead us to blessing. So uh, we're going to look at some principles of prayer. And we're going to start with one we've already mentioned as an attitude of prayer. But we want to re-mention it as a principle of prayer. And I can't tell you enough how much, how essential this first principle is. But let's go to Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. Vamos a ir a Mateo, capítulo 21, verso 22, y vamos a ver el primer principio de la oración. We're going to see the first principle of prayer. All right, Matthew chapter 21, and verse 22. Mateo, capítulo 21, y el verso 22. Are we ready? Jesus said this. All right, is this, is this the red letters? Yes? Okay, that's, that means who said it? Jesus. Okay. So, what did Jesus say? He said, in all these things, you ask how? In prayer. Believing, you what? You will receive. Todas estas cosas, dice el Señor, Pidéis en la oración, creyendo, y la recibirás. So the first principle of prayer is faith. To believe. El primer principio de la oración es creer. En la fe. And we're going to talk this, every time we talk about prayer, we're going to talk about faith. All right? Because faith is the foundation of prayer. If you don't believe, why pray? Si usted no cree, ¿para qué orar? La fe es el fundamento de la oración. 
You know, I've never gone to McDonald's. I rarely go to McDonald's anyway, but I have never gone to McDonald's and asked for a T-bone steak. Do you know why? Because they don't have that there. I do not believe that they can provide me with a T-bone steak. It's not on the menu. And so I don't ask from them something I don't believe that they can give me. And the same principle applies in prayer. We ask according to our faith. We are uh, assuming that because God is bigger than me and smarter than me and wiser than me and that He is God then He can handle my petition. And so prayer, belief, is the foundation of my request before God. And so we, we hear Jesus say, all these things you ask in prayer, believing. Believing is the key that unlocks the door to answered prayer. La fe, la llave que abre la puerta a la oración contestada en nuestra vida. We probably all prayed some faithless prayers. But we've all prayed some faithful prayers. And God will not be moved by our need. We know that, right? But he will be moved by our faith. Now, you can't move God with your need, but your need can move you to faith. How many of you ever had a need that moved you to faith? And when that faith gets stirred up, you can, you can move the hand of God on your behalf. Nuestra necesidad jamás va a mover la mano de Dios. Pero nuestra necesidad puede mover nuestra fe. Y nuestra fe está, es la que puede mover la mano de Dios. Entonces, ese es el primer principio de la oración. So, this is the first principle of prayer is faith. Now, I told you last week, what's the, what's the weapon that you want to have right next to prayer? The word. Right. Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. So when you lack faith, what do you need? The word. Cuando le falte la fe, vaya la palabra. Porque la fe viene por el oír. Si usted oye la palabra, la palabra produce fe. Esa fe produce una oración que tiene poder delante del trono de la gracia de Dios. So I've been there just as you have moments of discouragement, moments where it seemed like, ha, oh, I, I wasted my time, and, and I, I believe this was going to happen, it didn't work out, or maybe you, you uh, needed something desperately and it didn't seem like it was coming through. And, and often we are tempted to go and see what our friend might think about it and get in, invite some people to our pity party. Say, oh, come over here and talk to me. Woe is me. Look how bad my life is. Things are just aren't going my way. And that's the wrong direction to go in. Because unbelief comes by gossip, right? If faith comes by the word, then unbelief comes by hearing, hearing the wrong word. And so you need to get into the word. And here's the thing, I think. At least it's been true in my experience. When you are looking for the word of God to encourage you, God will send it to you. He'll get you the word you need when you're looking for it. And you come, you, you, you might come to your Bible and just open it up and say, Lord, I need you to speak to me. I need you to encourage my faith. And he'll bring something to mind. Remember that message you heard? Remember that that uh, teaching, go there. Look at that. Look at what I said there. And as you go and you reflect on that and you chew on that, that is building up your faith and that faith is able to move the hand of God in prayer. So uh, don't even start praying until you've got your faith stirred up. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, we have a spirit of faith. Dijo el apóstol Pablo, tenemos un espíritu de fe. What does that mean? 
¿Qué significa eso? Tenemos un espíritu de fe. Go to 2 Corinthians, just so you can uh, jot this in your notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Pardon me, chapter 4. And verse 13. He said, but having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. Dice 2 Corintios capítulo 4, verso 13. Tenemos este mismo espíritu de fe. So here's what I want you to do. When you feel faithless, remember that you have a spirit of faith. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You think he has any faith? Oh boy, does he have faith. The Holy Spirit has the kind of faith that if you let him work through you, can move mountains, can destroy obstacles. So when you feel faithless, let the Spirit of God build up your faith, stir up your faith. And that comes when you come to the Word of God. So you have an indwelling spirit of faith. The Holy Spirit's not a spirit of doubt. He's not a spirit of unbelief. He's not a spirit of I can't or, or maybe. He is a spirit of faith and power, right? And he's holy. So all of those, uh, uh, all of those things are available to the believer as we put our, our uh, spirit in line with the spirit of God. El Espíritu Santo es el Espíritu de fe. So, él, él, él es Espíritu Santo. Entonces todo lo que Él hace va a ser santo. Él es un espíritu de poder, entonces no hay nada muy difícil para Él. Él es un espíritu de fe, así que cuando usted y yo estamos faltos de fe, hay que dejar que el espíritu crezca dentro de nosotros, que Él haga nuestra fe resplandecer en esa situación. Y ese espíritu de fe, dijo Pablo, yo oí lo que fue escrito y lo creí. Listen to what Paul says. Having the same spirit of faith according to what is what? What is what? Written. He says, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Isn't it true that we will eventually say what we believe? Es cierto que usted y yo vamos a decir lo que creemos. Peor si nos pescan de sorpresa. Especially if they catch us by surprise. We will say what we believe. If we say I'm sick, I'm broke, I'm poor, I'm worthless. Deep down, we're just saying what we believe. But if we say what we believe, I'm rich. I'm, I'm healthy, I'm well. I'm blessed. I am blessed and highly favored. God is on my side. God likes me. He's fond of me. He loves me. Some of you are greeting at me like, Pastor, I don't think I could talk like that. You had better learn to talk like that because that's what the word of God says. According to what was written, I believed, therefore I spoke and when you pray concerning uh, out of that spirit of faith there's power in that cuando usted ora de ese espíritu de fe hay poder en eso I remember in college one day I, I was at a Baptist school and I love my Baptist brothers and uh, this, this particular afternoon I was in class and I felt a sharp driving pain come right through the back of my head And it felt like it was splitting my head wide open. And I interrupted the class. I said, Dr. Mullen, I'm sorry, but uh, I have such a, such a sharp driving pain in my head. I need you guys to pray for me. And he, he got some of the brothers together, and they started, they were praying like this. Lord, we thank you for Isaac. Kind of like they didn't even believe I had a headache. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone that God could heal me. Right? Well, 
we just pray that you will comfort him right now. And I was like, you guys, I need you to pray. You know, I need you to really get down deep there and get some faith and pray. That spirit of faith is that spirit. It's not just not just a, a, a courtesy. Because we pray courtesy prayers, don't we? Thank you for this food. Pray that you will bless the hands prepared in Jesus' name. Amen. We didn't really just pray, did we? We just gave God a courtesy acknowledgement that all food comes from him and we're ready to eat it. And, <laughs> and we pray like that about a lot of things sometimes. Why would God answer a courtesy prayer? Lord, we pray that you would bless this meeting. Let everything we discuss today be pleasing and willing and uh, wonderful and, and blessed. And then we get our, our gloves out, right? Like, okay, let's have this meeting. We just had a courtesy to God. So we could say that we prayed about it. God's not interested in that. A spirit of faith says what I'm saying, God is listening to, and he's going to answer it. Because he spoke it, I believe it, and I'm speaking it. I'm saying it now as I pray. So he said, as, as we have the same spirit of faith, you, you take that home with you tonight. I have the same spirit of faith, the same Holy Spirit that operated in Paul, that operated in Peter, that operated in Jesus, is operating and working inside of me. So, no more courtesy prayers for Kingsway Church. When we pray, we mean business. When we pray, we mean to get an answer. A yes, a no, or a wait, but we're going to get an answer. The kind of prayer that Jacob prayed, I won't let you go until you bless me. Man, that's a prayer. La oración de Jacob era, no te dejo ir hasta que me bendigas. Qué poderosa oración. Tú me has prometido esto y yo te voy a creer. And, and when we take hold of that word, we take hold of that spirit of faith, there's power in our prayers. All right, that's the first principle. So don't bother praying until you have faith. Or pray like this, Lord, give me some faith. Because we read it last week in James. He said, if anyone asks with a double-mindedness, he should not expect to receive anything from God. So if you're going to pray and you don't have any faith, get in the Word. That's why prayer and Bible study are essential. And as you get in the Word and that, that spirit of faith is stirred up in you, now you begin to pray. Sometimes you have to challenge your flesh. You have to say, you're going to have to get out of the way here because I'm going to have a prayer meeting. But I don't want to. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. I'm bored. I don't care what you are. I need to hear from God. And, and put your flesh aside and get your spirit in a, in a spirit of prayer. Uh, why is it that at the when most li- most often the most powerful moment in the service is either at the end of the worship experience or at the end of the message? Why? Because our spirit of faith got built up. Woo! I can take I can take on the devil with a squirt gun right now. I am just stirred up in my faith. And when your when your faith has been built upon the word. There's power in your prayers. Now, I want you to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to linger here for just a moment because I want you to see it. Nehemiah, go to Nehemiah. It's all right if we study the Bible in Bible study. Nehemiah chapter 1. Vamos a ir a Nehemiah capítulo 1. All right, Nehemiah chapter 1. Let's look at verse 4. 
Nehemiah has just heard the bad news that the city of Jerusalem is, is in ruins. Nehemiah acaba de recibir la mala noticia que, el espíritu, que la ciudad de Jerusalén está en ruinas. Y él dice, uh, he says, when I heard these words, chapter 1, verse 4, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I beseech you, O Lord of heaven, great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now. Day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servant, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you, I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Listen, remember the word which you have commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, you will scatter, I will scatter you among the peoples. What is, listen, Nehemiah is praying. What is the substance of his prayer? The word of God. He said, you told Moses that if we betrayed you, we turned our back on you, that these things would happen and that you would scatter us among all the people. So he, he knows the negative promises of God. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though those of you who had been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong arm. O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today, and grant him compassion before this man. So his, his prayer is based on the word, and the word is stirring up his faith to the level. Listen, what is Nehemiah asking God to do? He's asking God to move the heart of a pagan king so that he can go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. That's no small prayer, is it? That's not just praying to get the water bill paid. That is a major prayer. Nehemiah está orando para que Dios mueva el corazón de un rey pagano para que le dé la autoridad de ir a reconstruir la ciudad de Jerusalén. Esa no es cualquier oración. Pero es una oración motivada en la palabra de Dios y en fe. Y cuando él, motivado por la palabra, se atreve a pedirle a Dios algo grandísimo. Motivated by his faith in the word of God, he's asking God for something extraordinary, massive. And in the next chapter, we read that his prayer is answered so that when he goes to the king, the king says, what do you want? And he says, I want you to give me permission. I want you to give me uh, the, uh, uh, the ability to go, and I want you to pay for it. Okay. But why could he ask like that? Because he had prayed. I want you to give me permission to go, and I want you to pay for it. And the king granted his request because the good hand of the Lord was upon him. So don't let the devil take away the privilege of prayer. Because the enemy's number one goal would be to rob you of your faith. Because if he can rob you of your faith, he'll take your prayer life. He'll take your worship. He'll take your answers to prayer. Si el enemigo puede hacer una cosa en tu vida... Te garantizo, garantizo que lo que Él te quiere quitar es la fe. Porque si Él te roba la fe, ya te robó tu oración, 
que ya te robó la respuesta a tu oración. Así que usted y yo tenemos que estar alerta a eso, que el, el diablo no te robe tu fe. So don't let the devil rob you of your faith. And if he does, get in the word and the word will bring your faith. It brings faith. La palabra trae fe. All right. The second principle of prayer is the name of Jesus. El segundo principio de la oración es el nombre de Jesús. Say this with me. In Jesus' name. All right. We've all prayed like that, haven't we? Yes? In Jesus' name. Again, I want to caution you or, or challenge you not to use that as a courtesy ending to your prayers. This is the second principle for answered prayer. If we want answered prayer, we pray as Jesus instructed us to pray. Si queremos respuesta a nuestra oración, tenemos que orar en el nombre de Jesús. Y cuando decimos eso, en el nombre de Jesús no es una cortesía nomás, uh, una forma poética de terminar nuestra oración, sino que es eh, la llave, la segunda llave que Dios nos ha dado para una respuesta a la oración. So, if you want an answer to prayer, you need to pray in faith and you pray in the name of Jesus. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 13. John chapter 14, verse 13. Juan capítulo 14, verso 13. Are we ready? All right, here's what it says. Whatever you ask, how? In my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Lo que pidas en mi nombre, eso lo haré para que el Padre sea glorificado en el Hijo. Now, literally, when you're, when you're praying in the name of Jesus, you're, you're literally praying on his account. Cuando usted ora en el nombre de Jesús, usted está orando en su cuenta. In the, uh, the 40s and 50s, my grandfather uh, was a farmer, and he had a line of uh, credit at the, at the general store. And so he would, he would buy all that he needed from there throughout the year, and then at the end of the year, He would pay his debt. Okay, I'm not saying that's a good financial system. That's just what he did, okay? Not that the general store would even give you that kind of credit anymore, but that's how he managed the farm. And so any time that someone went into the store and bought something, one of his, one of his children or, or maybe one of his um, hired hands, If they went in and they said, I want you to put this on the Escamilla credit. It meant that they could take the benefit because he was going to pay for it. And this is literally what Jesus is saying. He say, when you go to the checkout counter of heaven, I want you to tell them to put it on my account. Because I'm good for it. You can't afford the answer to this prayer, but I can. So whatever you ask in my name, I will give to you. So that my dad gets the credit. So that my father gets the glory. Entonces, uh, mi abuelo tenía esa, uh, le, le daban eh, en la tienda, le fiaban todo lo que él compraba, el producto, él lo lo pagaba al fin del año. Entonces, si alguien entraba y decía, yo quiero poner esto en la cuenta de Escamilla, esa cuenta le cubría, usted podía salir con el beneficio porque él iba a pagar la cuenta al fin del año. Jesús, lo que él está diciendo aquí, 
es cuando vayas a pagar algo en el reino de Dios, págalo en mi cuenta. Porque yo lo voy a pagar. That's literally what Jesus is saying when he says, ask in my name. If I give you my debit card, you say, you go, you go to the, uh, I don't know where I'm going to send you. You go to uh, some some place with cheap things. Go to the, go to the Dollar Tree. No, you go to you go to Macy's and buy whatever you want on this. You're enjoying all the benefit of it, but it's on my name. That's what Jesus said. He's saying my name is the key to answered prayer. Jesús nos está diciendo, mi nombre es la llave de la oración contestada en tu vida. This is why, number one, because when we pray, we're praying on the basis of what Jesus has already done. Cuando oramos en el nombre de Jesús, estamos orando conforme lo que Él ya hizo. When you pray in Jesus' name, you're praying on the basis of what He has already done. So if you're praying for a, a provision, has he provided already? Yes. Has he healed yet? Yes. Has he made a breakthrough yet? Yes. Because he did it all at the cross. Jesús ya lo hizo todo en la cruz. El trabajo ya está hecho. Ahora es necesario recibir de lo que él ya proveó. So what we're doing now is receiving one from what he has already provided. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 18. Vamos a ir a Primera de Pedro, capítulo 3, verso 18. First Peter, chapter 3, verse 18. We're going to see there what Christ has done. Vamos a ver ahí lo que Cristo ya ha hecho. Entonces nuestra oración es conforme lo que ya está hecho. So just think about this. Whenever you ask something from God, it's not like God has to go do it. Okay? It's already done. Where was it done? At the cross. All right, you guys are good students. All right. For Christ also died for sins how many times? Once for all. The just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, and having been put to death in the flesh, be made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made pro proclamation to the spirits now in prison. Okay, so he's saying that Christ already died, once and for all. The just for the unjust, so that what? So that he would bring us to God. So our prayers are in the name of Jesus, because what we're asking for has already been provided. Now, here's what's going to happen. If you go to the checkout counter of heaven and you say, I want to buy, uh, I need to have this miracle, this answer to prayer. And I'm asking for it in, in Buddha's name. And they'll run Buddha's credit card and it will say, decline. Okay, I'm sorry. I have. Let me try a different one. Uh, <laughs> let's try. Let's try Abraham's name. Okay, you run Abraham. Declined. Okay, wait. I have another one. Uh, this is my own name. You run your own name. Guess what? Declined. It's not enough in any account to do what you need. So you have to go in the name of. Jesus, because he's the one whose account is able to afford what you need. Si usted va y quiere comprar o recibir una oración contestada en el nombre de Buda, le va a salir negativo. No puede. Y si usted va en su propio nombre, tampoco podrá, porque no hay suficiente en su cuenta para darle lo que usted necesita. La única cuenta que tiene suficiente para proveer su necesidad en la cuenta de Jesús. Y Él la llenó en la cruz. Christ already settled the account at the cross. 
So I don't, I don't worry when I pray in His name if there's going to be enough or not. He already made enough. The second reason is that we are, we are uh, number one, we're praying on the basis of what Jesus has done. Number two, we're praying on the basis of who Jesus is. Número dos, estamos orando en la base de quién es Jesús. Número uno, oramos conforme lo que Él ya hizo. Número dos, oramos conforme lo que Él es. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God. He is the Son of God. So if He is the Son of God on the basis of who He is, the Scripture is very clear about this fact. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus, right? God has given His Son exclusive rights. So if we want answered prayer, we come in Jesus' name because we're coming on the basis of who He is. Go to 1 John chapter 2, just a few pages away from where we are there. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 1, my little children, I am writing these things so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Right, right there in the, in the uh, centerpiece of heaven, at the right hand of the throne of God, is Jesus Christ. God won't listen to anyone else, but he'll listen to him. And you and I have an advocate with the Father through Jesus. Our relationship with God is 100% vicarious. It's through Jesus. Outside of Christ, we have no relationship with God. That's the essential nature of praying in the name of Jesus. Because outside of Jesus, there's no relationship to God. We have fellowship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Nuestra relación con Dios, escúcheme bien, nuestra relación con Dios es 100% vicaria. Es a través de otra persona. Esa persona es Jesús. Fuera de Jesús no hay relación con Dios. Tenemos un abogado delante del Padre, Jesucristo el Justo. Y tenemos comunión con, con Dios por medio de Cristo Jesús. So, we pray in Jesus' name because of what he's done. And we pray in Jesus' name because of who he is. And number three, we pray in Jesus' name because we have a relationship with him. Número tres, oramos en el nombre de Jesús porque tenemos una relación con él. Now go to Ephesians chapter one. Verse, we're going to read it verse three through six. Now this, this topic is so essential and important to me, but it's also completely under attack in the church today. There are people today who are in the ministry don't want to mention Jesus. When I was growing up, there was a man on the radio. His name was uh, Dawson McAllister. He, he ran a, uh, a radio program counseling teenagers, and they would call in with their problems, and he would give them a biblical response. And it was a powerful ministry. And then about... Ten years ago, he decided he was not going to mention Jesus anymore. Because we were too smart for that. And just the other day, I read that they decided to start mentioning Jesus again because the ministry was losing its reach. Well, of course it was. How are you going to take out the key and expect the car to run? Jesus is key. What we have, we have through him. You delete Jesus, you have nothing with God. That's the bottom line. If you take Christ out of your relationship, you have no relationship with God. 
no matter how smart you get. And, and I want you to read with me what Paul says uh, uh, all these benefits we have in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Where? In Christ. Say this. I have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. It's got to be in Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you to say that again because some of you didn't say it like you were too convinced. Yeah, I have every spiritual blessing. I want you to believe this. I have every spiritual blessing. All right, now we're getting it. Where? In Christ. Dice Pablo, yo tengo toda bendición espiritual en Cristo. Now, just pause right there and think. Next time you go pray for peace. I want you to change how you pray. Because you don't have to say, Lord, give me peace. Guess what? You already have peace because you have every spiritual blessing. So what you say, it says, Lord, I walk in peace. I've already received it. The moment you receive Christ, every spiritual blessing you could ever want or need was added to your account. And I wish I, I wish this was more like a Dave Ramsey course where you could go and look at your uh, online banking and see, oh, yeah, it's all there. But I, you have to receive it in your spirit. God has already made a deposit. And if I have received it already, that means I don't have to ask for it. It's been given to me. Now I want to walk in it. But it's in Christ. If I leave Christ, I leave every spiritual blessing. But if I'm in Christ, I have every spiritual blessing. All right? Verse 4. Just as he chose us. Where? In him. You've been chosen by God. Jesus said this. He said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. What's the difference, Pastor? Well, if you chose God, you could unchoose him. If you chose God, but frankly, we're not smart enough to choose God. There's not one who does righteous, not one who seeks God. But the fact that he chose us it means that he knew us, warts and all, and he chose us anyway. Because there were people that you would choose that if you really knew them, you wouldn't choose them. <laughs> I'm just looking at the married couples. I try not to make an altar call. I saw this glare in some people's eyes like, wow, is that true? <laughs> That's past. You're married now. Okay. But if, if, if we really knew people, we wouldn't choose them. But God says, I knew you, and I chose you anyway. Why did I choose you? Because you were in Christ. If you're not in Christ, I haven't chosen you. But because you're in Christ, I've chosen you. And everything I, all the affection I have for my son, I have for you. That's good. Él dice, yo te escogí en él. Dios te escogió a ti. Jesús dijo, ustedes no me escogieron a mí. Yo escogí a ustedes. Y hay personas que usted y yo las escogeríamos. Si las conociéramos, no las escogeríamos. Pero Dios dice, yo te conozco y te escogí. Yo sabía que ibas a fracasar y yo te escogí. Pero te escogí en Cristo. Si estás en Cristo, estás escogido. Si no estás en Cristo, no estás escogido. 
y eso es algo maravilloso. Before he says, I chose you before the foundation of the world that you would be home, uh, holy. I almost said homeless. God forbid. That you would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. So we have not only been blessed with every spiritual blessing, we've been chosen, we've been predestined to the adoption of sons in Christ. According to the intent, the kind intent of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Bottom line, we have been chosen in Christ. And later, if you read down, it says we have been accepted in the beloved. Hemos sido aceptados en el amado. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. And we can't pray in any other name because no other name has given us these benefits. Oramos siempre en el nombre de Jesús porque no hay otro nombre que nos pueda dar este beneficio. All right, so we pray in faith. We pray in the name of Jesus. I'm going to give you one more real quick here before the students come back. And that is that we pray with a forgiving heart. Number three, we pray with a forgiving heart. Did you know that a lack of forgiveness will hinder your prayers? Número tres, oramos con un corazón que perdona. ¿Por qué? Porque la falta de perdón va a detener tus oraciones. And we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of passages here. Let's start in, in uh, Mark chapter 11. Marcos capítulo 11, verse 25 and 26. Marcos 11, 25 y 26. Are we ready? It says, whenever you stand praying. Stand where? Praying. He's talking about coming to God's house. Why do we come to God's house? Pray. It's the house of prayer. Whenever you stand praying, do what? Do what? Forgive. Notice the grammatical structure of this sentence is exactly like the first one we read. When you ask comma, believing. When you stand praying, comma, forgive. Cuando estés orando, perdona. And if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. Cuando estés orando, perdona. Si tienes algo contra tu hermano, perdónalo para que tu padre también perdone tus transgresiones. God is so interested in your reconciliation and your peace with all people that he says, if you don't forgive, I won't hear your prayers. And that is the single reason why many people never get their prayers answered. They pray in the name of Jesus. They have faith, but they won't forgive. Esta es la razón por la cual mucha gente nunca recibe la respuesta a su oración. Porque el, la falta de perdón prohíbe la contesta, la, que Dios conteste tu oración y hay gente que tiene toda la fe en el mundo y oran en el nombre de Jesús pero perdonar nunca 
esa me la hicieron y me la van a pagar y yo no me voy a olvidar. They did that to me and I'm not going to forget it. Well, you think that you are hurting them. Guess who you're hurting? They're hurting you. Someone said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And you're the one getting sick. And God says when you pray, forgive. Now, I want to just point out something else. And I'm going to talk about this in the Family Matters series as well. But uh, I feel like we need to establish this point as it relates to prayer. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Vamos a mirar 1 Pedro, capítulo 3, verso 7. He says, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. Oh. Dice, ama a tu esposa y trátalo como un vaso frágil porque es mujer y haz esto para que tus oraciones no sean negadas o interrumpidas. Listen, guys. If you do not treat your wife the way God wants her treated, he says, I won't listen to your prayers. How important are relationships to God? That he says, if you won't forgive, I won't hear your prayers. And if you won't treat your spouse, and I think this goes both ways, right? God is only for wives. No, I think, I think the principle is, is the men are the example, but the women should follow the example. Right? We're so quick, aren't we? But you see what I'm saying is that if God is so so interested in your relationships, he says, don't talk to me if you can't talk to your wife. Don't talk to me if you won't talk to your husband. Listen, if you're going to give your husband the silent treatment, I'm going to give you the silent treatment. This is important stuff. God's saying, your relationship to, the, to your family is so significant that if you don't get it right, your channel of answer prayer is cut off. That's, a, that's valuable. God is putting such a priority on the family. Dios le pone tanta prioridad a la familia que dice, si tú no arreglas tus asuntos relacionales con tu familia, no me vengas a hablar a mí si no quieres hablar con tu esposa. Si no quieres hablar con tu esposa. No voy a, no voy a oír tu oración. Y Dios en eso está poniendo premio, prioridad a la familia. Diciendo, esto es tan importante que si no perdonas y no tratas a la persona que yo te he dado con la, el amor que yo quiero, entonces yo voy a cerrar el canal de bendición. We, we don't want that, do we? For God to cut off answered prayer. But you know, listen, there are, there are families who have been 10 years in the rut, can't get out because they won't deal rightly with their spouse. And they won't forgive. And for all that God would want to bless them with, he won't. Because he won't deny himself. So, I'm going to say this on Sunday, but I want you to think about this. Gentlemen, if you're married, God is not only your father, but he's your father-in-law. And how you treat his daughter will reflect on how he treats you. Oh, but she's not a believer. I don't care. He is her father. And same goes, ladies. 
God is not only your father, but he's your father-in-law. And how you treat the man he gave you will affect your prayers. Are we ready for a prayer meeting? Let's stand up. Groups of three all over the room. I want you to share. Try to try to pray with somebody you haven't prayed with, somebody you don't know, maybe. Pray in faith. Pray in the name of Jesus. Forgive.